0: Live from Studio G in Minnetonka, Minnesota, this is Your Greenhouse Home, the podcast. And I am your host, Jesse, lover of all things green. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is episode three and today we're talking to Hannah, the ultimate plant parent and also a greenhouse production assistant here at Tonkadale. Hannah, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. I am so excited to talk to you today because you are kind of one of the ultimates when it comes to plant parenting and care for plants in your home. And you have so much to share. We're going to learn a lot today. Hannah, what does a a day in the life look like for you? Yeah, so what I mostly do is I
1: come in and I um, check for watering on most of the plants, uh, care, and then we do a lot of the plant ordering on Mondays. That's what we like to do week to week. What kind of plant ordering are you doing? Yeah, so we are doing the tropical plant ordering. Okay. So the house plants, we're looking for
0: rarities, and also our common house plants that we love to. Okay, and so these items are shipping from different parts of the country where are most of our vendors located most of our vendors are located in florida and california okay Mm -hmm. okay well definitely different growing conditions uh, out in california and down in florida remember guys we're here in minnetonka minnesota we're just west of minneapolis okay so come in get your watering routine completed do your weekly plant ordering and then there's a few other things that you do weekly, uh, that where you contribute to content creation. What kinds of things do you do there? Yeah, I write the weekly houseplant blog. Okay. And what what kind of things are you are you trying? What kind of information are you trying to get out there each week with the uh, mini plant blogs? Yeah, just uh, basic care, so
1: light, soil, watering. Um, just success for a
0: plant parent. Yeah, things to watch out for. And then the one thing I do notice is you always call out some unique characteristics of uh, the specific plant or plant group that we're talking about. And what I think is really interesting, too, is finding out what plant families, different plants belong to. Because for me, it's always been really helpful uh, to understand, you know, if this group of plants, if they're all... Uh, types of aurelias or if they're all in the aeroid family, they may have similar care or similar characteristics, which I think is really cool. So learning the plant families and then just special information about each plant. Like one of the uh, tips that I learned, I think I was maybe helping collaborate a little bit, but the blog that week was about uh, portalicaria, afra, And I learned that where elephants live, it's like one of their main food groups. They just gobble it up. And I was like, what? This succulent that we just like to add to our mixed containers and succulent pots is really elephant food. And one of its common names is actually elephant food. So I don't know. I thought that was fascinating. Obviously, great information that you can take out and uh, disseminate to the world at your uh, holiday parties. Etc. work happy hours, you know, people will be thoroughly impressed. Anyway, let's move on. And then you've had the chance to do some speaking engagements um, throughout your tenure here at Tonkidale. What kinds of topics have you talked about? Yeah, um, I spoke about
1: trending tropicals last year in January at Northern Green. Um, And then coming up this next January, I'll be speaking again at Northern Green about my favorite plant. So just a short little snippet about... My favorite plant, why it's my favorite
0: plant. I'm going to be talking with some other people as well. Awesome. What kind of feedback do you get uh, after speaking engagements or questions? What kind of questions do people have?
1: Yeah, I think mostly just how to... It's mostly other greenhouses, so just how they get started. Where do you start to find vendors? And how can we figure out what the trending plants are at the moment? Um, so basically, basically, those two questions are the main the most asked okay so mm-hmm. what are the trending plants at the moment at the moment i would say hoyas are definitely up there lots of hoyas because a lot of hybrids are coming out okay um otherwise just our philodendrons for sure okay um like the Tortem is really popular right now but still the monstera Thai constellation and elbow those are still popular for a few years now and i don't see it
0: slowing going down, down yeah So Hannah, tell me a little bit about your plant parenting journey. When did it start? What was your first plant? Yeah, so I
1: got into plants, I would say around 2016. I had started with a few plants in my house, and I just couldn't stop after that. Mm -hmm. I would just keep going to plant shops and collecting more and more. Um, What I would do is, to learn more about them, is I would sit on Reddit and ask people questions and ask people to identify plants. And that's kind of how I learned everything I know about plants was through Reddit, surprisingly. Um, and one of my first plants was actually a croton. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever dealt with uh, pest issues. Okay. So, yeah, I'd found, well, I didn't know what they were at the time, but I'd found some white fuzzy cotton ball-looking things on my plant, and I posted it to Reddit, and everyone responded with, throw that away. Throw that away. <laughs> Throw that out. That's Aww. pretty bad. Mealy bugs. So yeah, that was my first time dealing with mealy bugs. Um, so yeah, I just, after that, tried to dedicate to learning everything I can about plants and
0: collecting as much as I can. That's awesome. I don't know anything about Reddit. Do you still use Reddit? I do. Not as much as I used to, okay. but...
1: It's great. They um, there's a lot of subreddits um, like plant community, um, just plants. Um, but there were a lot of um, teachers on there from like professors. Yep, I couldn't think of the word. Um, there were a lot of professors on there from okay. the universities actually answering answering questions. Oh wow, which I thought was really cool. So yeah. um, that was really neat to be able to ask them and kind of pick their brain on certain things.
0: Okay. So aside from your day to day greenhouse routines the mini blog, speaking engagements now and again, you've held a couple of plant swaps here at Tonkendale. So what is a plant swap? Yeah.
1: um, So plant swap is when basically we get a lot of plant people together here at the greenhouse and they can bring cuttings, plants. You could bring a full plant if you want um, and you swap for another plant. So basically go up to the person that you see, like they're, cutting and you ask them if they want to swap for
0: one of yours. Okay so it's like kind of like speed dating but with plants sort of pretty much swap shop kind of idea. Yeah. So it's been a lot of fun. Uh, What does the plant community in the Twin Cities mean to you?
1: Yeah it's a lot of fun. I have met a lot of actually really close friends now through the plant community. Um, It's just about
0: having fun and sharing your knowledge that you know about plants and in the plant community it seems like there's big opportunities for crowdsourcing information or if you're looking for a specific plant somebody has it or somebody will be able to help you find it what in general if you could choose what is your favorite plant or favorite group of plants
1: yeah um I would say my favorite group of plants would be anthuriums and my favorite plant is probably my Anthurium Vicii. Okay. But I am becoming
0: a total Hoya fan too. Hoya a Hoya hoarder? I yeah. Okay. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well Hoyas a lot of times can be on the smaller side, so they're not taking up too much space, right? Yeah, definitely. But I know that Vichii has huge leaves. Yes. Yeah, how, that's my biggest plant. How big sure. is the biggest leaf? Um, I would say maybe five feet long. And how many leaves does it? have right now it has six wow that could be a record for an in-home installation of a VCI. let's talk about your plant care routines and what really makes you successful with all of your plants at home and the great diversity of plants that you have within your home
1: yeah um my number one rule is plants can take a bit of i wouldn't say neglect but they don't like to be over nurtured Mm -hmm. um just because, you know, in the wild, you know, they're not really being touched and all that kind of stuff. So I do like to let my plants dry out a bit. Um, That really helps. Um, I do check them every week. But yeah, I I just try to let them do their thing. And, you know, if they need my help, I'm going to water them. And if they have a pest, I'm going to treat it. But yeah, that's kind of my main thing is just going with the flow.
0: Going with the flow, Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to watering. So what kind of uh, exposure do you have in your home? Which way do your windows face? Do you consider yourself to have, you know, our ideal situation of that bright indirect
1: light? You know, I used to. Um, Uh. Now I am in, I'm west facing. Okay. So this is my first time ever having grow lights, which has
0: been a learning experience. So so this will be your first winter with a grow light situation. Yes, it is. And I guess it is. I mean, it's officially winter. Uh, Tell us about your grow lights. Where did you get them? What kind are they? How did you mount them? How do you do grow lights? Yeah, so basically I started out with buying um, racks
1: for them to go on. Shelving. So first was that. And then I most of them are the Berea Mm -hmm. LED lights. Um, what they are is, it's just a long tube. Okay. And it's kind of nice cause you can stack, plug them together. Uh, that's, I wanted to do the easiest way possible because okay. I've never really dealt with the grow lights. So I've had a lot of success with those. Okay. And you know, learning experience again. Um,
0: but yeah, I think the Berea ones are probably my favorite ones. Okay. So we can link that in the show notes. And then, so when you were installing the grow lights, you said you have a rack or a shelf. Is it like a metal shelving unit, like gorilla racking, something kind of industrial looking? Yes. And then do you um, just zip tie the ballasts onto the, like below the shelf so then it shines down the shelf below it? Yes. And
1: actually the Berea lights actually come with some zip ties Okay.
0: to adjust them there. So that's kind of nice too. Okay. So then are you concerned about how many foot candles of light your plants are getting, or are you more just like, I am providing supplemental light. Um, it's better than the light that's available. So they must be better off. Like what's your approach to providing supplemental light?
1: Yeah, I kind of, I wasn't really worried about the, the unit of measure. Yes, correct. Yeah. I wasn't really worried about that. I just, because my Place now is pretty dark throughout the day. Okay. Um, so what I do is I just have them all on a timer, mm-hmm. coming on at eight a.m. and then they shut off about
0: eight or nine p.m. Okay. So they're on all day. So you're giving them a twelve hour day. I am. And then they go night night when you go night night. Yes. <laughs> That's kind of nice. eight o'clock. Yes. <laughs> they're not they're not partying partying all night long. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is interesting. I think I like that kind of just you know we got the grow lights. We're better off than we would be without them. Let's give it a go cuz I I don't know all of that foot candle lingo it, it it makes me scared. Yeah. It's just too much too much to think about. It's a lot of pressure. It is. Right. Especially okay. coming from my environment before where it was like perfect perfectly perfect sunlight. Yeah. So it's so intimidating. When you were moving from your old place to your new place, when you were looking, were you thinking, okay, what are, what's the window situation? Like how high of a priority was that for you in finding a new place to live?
1: Yeah, that was my top priority.
0: <laughs> that really
1: was. But you know, with the with housing right now, it's you know, it's yeah. pretty competitive. So we have a lot of windows. It's yeah. just the light isn't exactly where
0: I'd like it to be. Yeah. I have a funny story. We've lived in our house for, I don't know, several many years. And, you know, when we first moved in, my kids were pretty little, so I wasn't having houseplants all over the place because I didn't want them getting into things and, like, keeping humans alive and then having to worry about keeping plants alive. It's just, it's a lot, right? (laughs) Yeah. So, um, you know, when we moved into the house, I wasn't really thinking about, like, what's the light situation. You know, we loved the location. We loved the house. Um, But as I've come to to find, we live in a neighborhood with very mature trees. So we do have a lot of tree cover kind of on most sides of our house. And we're sunken down a little bit. Um, So my front window is east facing and it's the brightest window I have. So that's where all the plants that... Well, that's where like any plant that I want to keep alive goes, Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because otherwise I'm switching plants out all the time. Um, So one summer I was like, gosh, we just we need more light in this room. It's just too dark. So I went out there with a chainsaw and cut down a 20 year old viburnum shrub. It was covering the whole window. That's dedication. You got to go.
1: Yeah. No, it had to go.
0: But. You know, um, like I'm an outside gardener, and then you know I like to have plants in my house. So it's kind of, it's between a rock and a hard place. I'm take, I'm destroying nature, like this fruit bearing, giant mature shrub, in order to let my house plants live. Like, how do you decide which child you like better? The (laughs) house (laughs) plants. We talked about your favorite group of plants being anthuriums. Okay, so when I think of anthuriums, I like to say anthurium because I just like the, it's A-N-T-H-U-R-I-U-M. So I think it's funny to say thurium. Uh, when I think of anthuriums, I think of that traditional, like, really glossy, heart-shaped, uh, modified leaf with the uh, spathe sticking out, you know, that cute little... I, thing. Whenever I see that one, it's called the painter's palette. The painter's so that's palette. that's what I always think of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So what are the characteristics of the anthuriums that you love, and why do you love them so much?
1: Yeah, um, I when I'm looking for anthuriums, I'm looking for hybrids. Okay. So what I really like is the thicker foliage, just like on the anthurium vicii. but I do like the darker foliage, too. There's a lot of um, hybrids coming out with almost like a... I would say almost like a black leaf. Okay, so I I look more for the like oddities, the strange, unusual looking foliage.
0: Okay, yeah. And then so with Anthuriums, if they have like a thicker, more leathery leaf, it sounds like there's some hybrids coming down the line that could even compete with the unique alocasias and that dark leathery foliage uh, color and patterning possibly be easier to care for yes definitely what varieties are coming down the line do you know the names so there's a man who goes by doc block there's a man there's a man his name oh, is doc his block? Name is, he
1: goes by doc block on instagram um so he just came out with his hybrids um and they're like the darkest purple almost black um I'm, I'm blanking on the hybrid names. that There's Ace of Spades. Ooh. There's tons of hybrids, but he is coming out with some
0: really cool stuff. So is he like a home gardener kind of guy, or does he have a, a greenhouse or production facility? He does have a greenhouse. We
1: actually, when we went to TPIE in Tampa last year, okay. one of his, that anthurium that I'm talking about was actually on... Um, to win an award and i think it won like overall okay um but yeah i don't he
0: doesn't necessarily sell wholesale i think he might be changing that soon but okay yeah my approach to house plants is a little bit different perhaps um i think i use plants in the house more like one would use a lamp or a piece of art they're more um Adding like structure warmth greenery and of course i like unique and rare varieties but i just i think everyone kind of has like a different approach and uh which is really cool because there's so many ways to love plants all right let's talk about repotting so you know is now a good time to be repotting plants some may say no i if i'm going to
1: be honest with you I do repot plants year-round. Year-round, okay. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't because they have slowed down on growth um, throughout the winter here. So, you know, it's probably not the best idea to maybe repot those sensitive plants. Mm -hmm. Um, Like maybe I wouldn't repot your anthurium. It's more of a sensitive plant uh, throughout the winter. But I think other plants are, are fine
0: to do so. Yeah, especially if you're not jostling them up too much. Yeah. mean you know you're maybe not going to want to be dividing them up like cutting them in pieces right just because they don't have like there's not a lot of light and energy going into them to really so they can recover and build up that root stock that they need right yeah when you do repot what is your go-to soil or soil mix if you're creating your own what kind of soils do you like to use yeah
1: um I like to use so I do like to use our Tonka that we have here. Okay. What I do is I add a lots of perlite to mine. I really like using perlite. It just makes it really fluffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really like the Soul Soils okay. houseplant mix. It's yeah. really great for Hoyas. Okay. I like using that. Um, but yeah, I, I like to just use a basic houseplant mix and then add perlite. Okay. Yeah. So, so you're, pretty simple.
0: You're trying to lighten up the soil, add a little bit more forgiveness yeah, uh, you know, if you were to oversaturate it or something like that. Yes, but, I mean, you know what you're doing when it comes to watering. Okay, what would the main differences be between the Tonkatera potting soil and then the sole soils? Is it the gritty mix? The, yeah, the houseplant mix. Is it called a gritty mix? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, what would the main differences be? Do you think
1: uh, the Tonkatera is going to be a little heavier? Uh, it's going to hold moisture a bit more than the sole soils. Mm-hmm. That one's a very, soul soils is a very sharp, sharp drainage. Mm-hmm. Um, I I mean, I'd say you could use the house plant mix for, like I said, Hoyas, and you could you could use it for cacti too. But okay. they do have a good cactus mix. That's true.
0: Yeah. So the thing for me with the Tonkatera is the soil is richer, and that's because it contains a higher percentage of compost. And so then, therefore, nutrients. So the one thing I worry about um using it in the house. I guess I don't worry. Why would we need to worry? I'm not worried about it, but you really got to make sure you have a healthy, mature plant if you're putting it into that really nutrient-rich environment and because of the compost and stuff, it does hold more water. So you want to make sure you're planting a resilient plant into that heavier soil so it can, you know, use the nutrients and absorb the water efficiently. So it doesn't get stuck in kind of a waterlogged situation. Yes. Do you kind mm-hmm. of agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of your feeling? I don't, yeah. That's kind of how I feel about the and I think that's a great tip uh, to add in perlite to lighten it up a bit. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. I like that. Okay. So you uh, touched on this a tiny bit with the first plant you ever brought in the house, the croton. Will you ever, would you ever buy a croton again? No, never. Oh, sorry. I feel bad <laughs> for the crotons. I do too. So your first experience with the croton was it was like your first plant and then you had a pest problem. So what is your approach to dealing with pests in general?
1: Yeah. um, So the first thing I do is try to take it away from all the other plants. Mm -hmm. Um, Make sure we get it away from everything else. And then what I like to do is bring it to the like shower, the bathtub. Okay. And I like to spray it down. So my go to would be the Bonide 8. Okay, I really like using that. I've, okay, I've noticed the best results with that. Um, I know people like to use neem oil, and you know that works for certain stuff. But I, I've had really good success with the
0: eight. Okay, so so it's kind of a coverall. It is an insecticide. I mean, neem oil is an insecticide. Insecticidal soap is an insecticide. If it's a product meant for killing insects, it's an insecticide. But then you kind of go down the road if you want to do like more of a conventional product or more of a suitable for organic gardening type product. So you're like going right for the good stuff. You're going to knock down that pest population right away. Yes. And then how do you proceed after that?
1: Yeah. So I'll spray it down, let it sit there for a while. I like to just at that point, keep it away from all my other plants Mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks if I can. And what I'll do is I'll reapply um, once or twice a week. Okay. Just until I can see that the issue has gone away. That's good. So the
0: reapplication is important because... You want to make sure you're getting every pest. You want to get every pest. Yes. And also you want to get after multiple generations. So upon that first application, you know, you're going to have adults, uh, nymphs, or larva, and then you might have some in the egg stage. And, you know, you're not going to be able to hit everything with one application, yeah. especially because all those they're so creepy and they hide everywhere yeah. in all the little cracks and crevices. So, you know, you want to go after multiple generations. And then, of course, you're going to have some that survive because of, who knows, genetics resistance. Strong. <laughs> the strong The survive. strong ones, yeah. Um, so, yes, that reapplication is important. All right. So what are the most common pests that you have seen on houseplants? Uh, so mealybugs is probably the most common
1: Spider mites, scale, thrips. That's what I see the most of that come customers come in here asking, you know, what is this mm-hmm. covering my plant? Yeah. I would say those are the main Yeah. The main ones. Spider mites is pretty spider mites and mealybugs are gonna be the
0: most common, I feel like. Yeah, and they seem to be kind of the are they the most challenging? I mean, once once an infestation is happening, it can be hard to get ahead of. Yeah, especially spider mites because they're so hard to see. Mm-hmm. That's probably
1: the most challenging one because it's hard to even see that there is an issue unless there's actual damage going on. Right. Um, and you do have to, like I said, keep reapplying.
0: If you don't keep up with it, Yeah, they're not going to go away. you got to get the multiple generations. Yeah. So, you know, if you're checking your plants weekly for watering, I'm guessing you're also checking them for pests. Yes. right? Mm-hmm. So what's your strategy there? Like, how do you look for pests? What do you do? Yeah. So I just check the
1: leaves overall health. So just to make sure if I see any yellowing, mm-hmm. um, I mean, sometimes that's going to be, you know, just the cycle of the plant, but the certain markings of like spider, uh, spider mites mm-hmm. with the yellowing on the leaves. So I look for that. And then, um, I'll look underneath the leaves mm-hmm. for like mealy bugs, um, just any kind of big change in the plant's health
0: yeah, is what I'm looking for. I think that's a, what you said about looking at the undersides of the leaves is really important. So I would say, you know, in general, mealybugs kind of live in the crooks and crannies of plants or in um, like the nodes or the buds. Uh, A bad infestation, they're going to be everywhere. Spider mites, you're going to find them on the bottom sides of the leaves in most cases. Scale, you're going to find on uh, woody stems of larger plants usually, I would say. Um, And then what was the last one? Oh, thrips. Thrips, yeah. Thrips, yeah, they're they're kind of a wild card. And they're the one out of the group that can fly. Yeah. Right? And I think they're the hardest to get rid of. And they're hard to get rid of, yeah. Yeah. So and thrips make that kind of silver streaking on the tops of leaves because they have scraping mouth parts versus like a scale or a spider mite or a mealybug, they have the piercing, sucking mouth parts. Yeah. And that's why with spider mites you see the stippling on the top sides of the leaves because they've been sucking out all the good stuff, the sugars that comes with that the chlorophyll, and then that leaves yellow spots. So anyway, insects fascinating not fascinating when you find them at your house but fascinating to know what they're up to so that you can find them before they find you or something like that (laughs) (laughs) i don't know oh goodness so dealing with pests it's just something that goes with the territory wouldn't you say yes definitely yeah we just got to do our best and then at what point do you just call it quits you're like i'm sorry it's time for the compost
1: yeah, if it's really bad, if it's something I missed for a while and it's completely covering the plant, you kinda have to think with yourself, is you know, is this gonna be worth treating over and over and over again? Right. You know. Yeah.
0: Sometimes it's just not meant to be. Not that's meant, okay. That's okay. It's yeah. okay to move on, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. There'll always be another plant. Yeah. Down the line. What about trending plants? You talked about new anthurium hybrids coming out, but if we were to like fast forward into 2023, uh, January, February, March is a huge houseplant acquisition (laughs) and shopping time for folks. They get the holiday stuff out of the house and then it's like, I need plants. I need something green and fresh to look at. What plants are people going to be finding next year? I think more of the variegated stuff. Okay. Um, lots
1: more, I would say, like, colorful plants. Like, we have, you know, the stromanthi is really pink. Uh-huh. Uh, I think people are very drawn to that. So, I think there's going to be more plants like that coming out, too. Okay. We still have our, you know, our classic plants that everyone will love. Forever.
0: Yeah. I feel like pothos, you know, that's always a fan fave. Pothos. And I don't know, that category is getting more diverse, too. Mm-hmm, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. I love I heart Pothos. Mm -hmm. If you were going to give advice to a plant novice, someone just getting into plants, or someone that just really wants easy to care for plants, what would be your top five go-to plants for that person?
1: Yeah. um, The classics. So ZZ, snake plant, Pothos, Monstera deliciosa, and probably any type of philodendron. Okay. Yeah. I feel like those are my top five like easiest plants okay and why do you
0: consider them easy
1: yeah i feel like they're pretty forgiving about watering Mm -hmm. some of them Mm -hmm. i mean um they require just about the same amount of light Mm -hmm. bright indirect um and they
0: grow really easily cool yeah the forgiving part i like that what questions do you still have about taking care of plants or what knowledge are you still looking for? There is a specific group of plants that
1: I have been reading up a lot more about. Um, so South African plants okay. I really like. Um, so there's, you know, like conophytum there's lithops, mm-hmm. um, mesums. They're just extremely fascinating to me and there are so many different varieties. Um, so that's one thing I've been
0: trying to learn a lot more about. It's really interesting. And then it's like certain plants flower that you wouldn't even expect to have a flower. Yeah. Like a lithops looks like two little rocks or two little butt cheeks, whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever you want to say. And then a flower pops out. I think that's really interesting. Um I mean, basically every plant has a flower unless it's in the group of conifers or gymnosperms. Which includes like ferns, cycads, evergreens, all those types of plants. But yeah, even succulents, cactus, lithops. Cast iron. Have you seen a cast iron flower before? No, I don't think it so. It is
1: the craziest looking thing. They flower at the the base of the plant. Okay. So like pretty much in the soil. And they look like a little demogorgon from oh. like Stranger Things.
0: Well, I do like the Demogorgon flowers. They're kind
1: of like waxy, kind of like Stapelia, but Stapelia are a little hairier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's another favorite plant of mine. But yeah, the cast iron flower is the coolest thing.
0: I'm you have to show me next time we get a flower. It's amazing. I don't think it happens very often. It doesn't. Huh. It's yeah. real cool. Yeah. Well anyway, Hannah, it's been amazing talking with you today. You always have so much knowledge to share and I get really excited when you guys are able to source and find, you know, brand new to us plants, plants that we haven't been able to have here at Tonkadale. But you know what's also really important is just keeping those easy care plants here and available so that everyone can access and enjoy plants in their spaces. Yes, definitely. All right, well, that's all for today's podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at Tonkadale. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> that's it for this week's episode of Your Greenhouse Home, the podcast. I am your host, Jesse. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you at Tonkadale.